Okay, uh, I need to take a quick poll. Who here has heard the phrase, the observable universe? Has anyone heard that? Oh no, hardly any of you. Okay, that's great. All right, I'm so glad. Okay, so I'm so glad that I live in a time where you can just look up anything. Uh, you can learn about anything, just a whole world of weird facts right at your fingertips. And I often do. Um, I hear an interesting thing, and next thing you know, I'm doing a deep dive, learning as much as I can. This happened with the phrase, the observable universe. I think I heard it, probably heard it in a documentary somewhere. And I assumed uh, that what people mean by that term is the universe that we can see with our technology, right? Uh, our telescopes and measurements are really good, but finite, and they can only see so far into space. Uh, that's what I assumed, and this implies that with better equipment over time, we can see farther and farther into space, right? Um, I think a lot of people hearing that probably guess at that definition, but that is so incorrect, so I'm glad that most of y'all, I get to give you the right definition right away. The truth about that phrase is simply wild. So we all know that light is very, very, very fast, but still has its limits. The sun, for example, is 93 million miles away from Earth, and the light from the sun takes about nine minutes, more or less, to reach us. Uh, this means that whenever we look at the sun, I don't recommend staring at the sun, but, but when we see the sun, we're seeing a snapshot from nine minutes ago. It's just taken the light that long to reach us. You still with me so far? Okay, good. We also know that astronomers, marry, me, astronomers measure distance in light years, which is straightforwardly enough, the distance that light can travel in one year. So, the nearest star other than our sun is about four light years away. This means when we look at that star, we're seeing what that star looked like four years ago. Because the light is fast, but still limited. We're seeing a snapshot from the past. Here's where it gets nuts. The farther out into space we look, the farther back into the past we're looking. An object 10 light years away, we're seeing what it looked like 10 whole years ago. An object 10,000 light years away, 10,000 year old image. 500,000 light years, you get the picture. The farther we look out into space, the farther back into the past we're looking. What the observable universe means, if you ever hear that phrase, is that no matter how advanced our telescopes, no matter how good our technology, there is a far out distance at which we will never be able to see objects in space because we're looking so far at such a distant past that nothing existed yet. There are objects out there right now, but we'll never see them because we're looking back through time to before the universe existed. If you're still with me and you can wrap your brain around that, God bless you. But who here is now disoriented? <laughs> a little disoriented. If I've given you a little bit of a nosebleed, uh, good, because now we can talk honestly about today's scripture. The author of Hebrews writes, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Tim Keller paraphrases this as, Jesus holds the universe together with his little finger, with his pinky. We just had to take altitude medication to consider the vastness of the universe. 
and Jesus holds it together by his powerful word. Listen, the most scandalous thing I can imagine as Christians is that we are ever bored on a Sunday morning. Now, I'm not being judgmental. Uh, I get bored sometimes, too. But it's only because we forget. Because we're filling in the blanks with what we think the Bible is saying. Behave nice. Go to church. Be respectable. Follow the list of rules. Uh, That is kind of boring, isn't it? When we zoom out to what the Bible is actually saying about the power of Jesus, it's nothing short of scandalous. It's mind-blowing. But I'm not here to zoom out today, actually. I'm here to zoom in. The truly shocking thing about Jesus is not his vast power, which is inconceivable. The shocking thing we can only see when we zoom in. Back past all those stars and galaxies we just passed, those snapshots from eons ago, all held together by the power of the Son of God, zooming into Earth to almost the present day, to a Fredericksburg emergency room last Monday, to be exact. I was sitting in the ER with my oldest son, Josiah, last Monday. Uh, He had taken a flying leap in a game with his brothers and had cut the inside of his leg just there, He cried out, and I was across the house when I heard it, and hearing him scream, my insides froze. Lightheaded, I stumbled up the stairs, afraid of what I would see. And it did look pretty bad, church. He had a pretty good gash. And so I took him to the ER, and they mended him up, and I knew they would. But I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago when I was talking about trauma, but uh, do you remember what I said, how some things stay in your body? That moment keeps coming back to me, and I flinch. That moment that I heard my son scream. Ever since that happened, I've just been terrified of how fragile we are. And I also wonder, do you wonder if Mary ever dropped a dish on the floor hearing her son cry out? If her knees ever went weak? If she rushed across the street Fearing the worst, if she ever applied pressure to a little leg to stop the bleeding. Because the sun is the radiance of God's glory. That's a marvel. But the sun, human, playing with kids, having arms and legs that can be cut open, is a scandal. Did Mary ever feel her insides freeze? or become lightheaded, hearing her son cry out. Of course she did. She was a mother, and he was a little boy. What we believe is such a scandal, it is amazing we're ever bored. The God of the universe was a baby, scratched his little face with his fingernails. Jesus holds the universe together and helped set the table for dinner. Got a 24-hour stomach bug. Tripped a little and looked around to see if anyone noticed. Jesus either cut his fingernails regularly with a knife or, dare we imagine it, chewed on them. Do you think Jesus ever walked in on a joke told at his expense? Felt the isolation of being left out? The fear of being bullied? 
the pain of heartache? Of course he did. Did he ever drop a plate and break it or misplace something? Or show his true self only to be rejected? Of course he did. Let me be clear about one thing, because we don't want to venture into heresies. Jesus is not God with pretend human skin on. He is God, and he became human. Don't do this other thing, this pretend human skin thing. That's how we get bored. Jesus wasn't pretending anything. He became like us and still held the universe together with his pinky. Again, we've heard the stories so many times, we're kind of acclimated. So we're used to thinking of Jesus with maybe scars in his hands or feet. But did he maybe have a scar just here? Or a few on his knees? What about on his scalp, a place only his mother noticed, but she always did, a gap where the hair never grew back quite right? Of course he did. What we hear about in Hebrews, in John chapter 1, in the Apostles' Creed, is the unimaginable story of an immortal, all-powerful God who became mortal and immediate. He became breakable and then broken. I want you to try something. I'll try it too, I promise. The next time you have a painful emotion, uh, loneliness, anger, rejection, something that hurts, ask yourself, did Jesus ever feel this way in his heart? Of course he did. Next time you wish that you could opt out of that pain, create a little space for the wonder of the one who opted in. In 2015, I made a trip to Bolivia and spent a couple of days in the city of La Paz. I visited the Basilica of St. Francis, which is a gorgeous church with incredible Christian art and architecture. And one plaque beneath a window described a lower, much older rooftop. You could look down and see the Spanish tile, that iconic half-cylinder-shaped tile. The plaque explained that uh, the indigenous people who were put to work on the original mission made those tiles by molding the soft clay to their forearms. And sure enough, you could see that distinctive shape slightly wider on one end, slightly different sizes on the tiles below. All the beauty and artwork, all the paintings of Jesus inside the building, and those Christians failed to see those bearing the image of God, imprinting their forearms on the tile. They saw people made in the image of God and only considered how to use and exploit them. Now, uh, George knows this story, and he asked me that whenever I tell this story, under no circumstances am I to do so during a church building project. So by way of apology, <laughs> let me explain what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I am not saying that we should never build or renovate anything. That would be so dumb. I'm not saying let our buildings crumble. I am not saying let's not build beautiful things. We should, and put them to great use. I'm saying we cannot look for the face of God in our buildings or our clubs 
in our culture or our dogmas. We won't see the face of God in our paintings or our songs or our books or our sermons. Not if we refuse to love our neighbor. Because God chose a face, and it was a human face. We cannot neglect or demonize our neighbor and honor God. If we hang up beautiful doctrines and institutions in the halls of power and hate our neighbor, what are those institutions worth? That's not a rhetorical question. If we fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if we have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, what is it all worth? Nothing. If we win the culture war and take America for Jesus but hate our neighbor, what was it all worth? Back to my comment on heresy earlier. Uh, You know it's an official heresy, right, to believe that Jesus was only play-acting as human? that he appeared human, that he put on a person costume. This heresy allows us to keep Jesus at a distance, to intellectualize him, to make the Christian life about appeasing the powerful being on the mountain. But the scandal of the incarnation moves us into action. If God became human, it tells us something significant about God and about other humans. This is why United Methodists are about doctrine and mission. This is why acts of mercy are so important to us. This is why we are never to treat people as a means to an end. Because nothing we build will amount to anything if we forget the humans made in God's image. And if we forget the wonder of the God who became human. You'll notice, if you go back and read the Apostles' Creed, that I didn't even touch on half the incredible things we believe about Jesus. This is just one facet, one square inch of his character and his love. We also believe that he died. He was God, and he died. We believe his power is so great that he took the cross the mightiest symbol the violent empire ever knew and transformed it into a worldwide sign of love and life. The creed says he descended to hell. Did you notice that? Listen, couldn't we spend a whole week on that? What what is that about? That sounds crazy. When did that happen? We believe he rose again, not metaphorically, actually. Do you hear how that sounds? Fundamentally, we Christians believe a guy was dead and now isn't. How are we ever bored on a Sunday? I only have about 15 minutes here, 15 minutes of your time, to paint a picture. But I invite you to read more. There's so much more about Jesus. Don't you think I could keep talking for an hour or maybe two? Uh, But you don't want that, so read about him yourself. Not little pieces, a few verses at a time to get some inspiring nugget of wisdom. Read the Gospel of Mark like you would a short story in one go. Read the Gospel of John and let your mind be blown by this story, this God who became human. You'll see other pieces of the creed stand out 
other wonderful things Jesus did, other incredible aspects of his power and his character. I only have time today to tell you one piece of it, and even that one piece is astonishing. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Amen.